This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. Zig Ziglar. Getting to Campo was a nightmare for me as well because I just I called an Uber to take me to um, Cleef but there's no like address when you type that into Uber. And there was a language barrier between me and the, the driver. He just saw my backpack and he kept looking at his phone and looking at me and he was like, border? I was like, yeah, border. He's like, the border. And I was like, yes, the border. <laughs> so he's like, with my backpack, he's probably confused. Like, are you sneaking into Mexico? But they dro- ended up dropping me off. It was like 10 o'clock at night um, in the middle of nowhere. Not near Cleef, pulls over and there's no buildings, no nothing. He's like, all right, you're here. And so I get out of the car and I'm like pulling up my map. So I just start walking down the road. And then I looked, looked up Cleef's number and called him. And the guy just goes, yeah, just walk towards the lights. Which direction are you walking? And I was like, south. He's like, yeah, walk towards the lights. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirapod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the Trail Dirt Bags and Hiker Trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. 
Let's get to this week's guest, a long distance hiker with quite a story behind him and in front of him. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Jared Aslett. How's it going, Jared? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Did I get the right the last name right? Is it Aslett? Yep. Yep. Nailed it. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Hey, I I know that you've been on the trail. You put you put uh, over a thousand miles last year on the trail, and we have a a unique. Maybe it's you not unique. On this podcast, we go by trail names, if at all possible. During your time on the trail, have you had a chance to pick up a trail name? Yeah, I sure did. And, and just to clarify, it was only 600 on the PCT, but overall there was about 1,000. So, Okay. Um, right. Yeah, my trail name uh, is Yeti. Okay, and we love to hear the story behind the trail name. How did you end up with Yeti? Yeah, um, I think why they gave it to me and why I think I got it are a little different, but um, I did the hike solo um, and I would, there was, as the miles started going on, there was groups forming around me, you know, tramways and whatnot. And they said they'd see me like pop in and then I'd just disappear. And then the conversation started going, you know, have you guys seen that big hairy guy lately? And somebody was like, Oh, I spotted him yesterday or I spotted him a week ago. Um, and so they just started calling me Yeti and I had no idea. And then like, you know, a few days later I came into camp and someone's like, Hey, are you Yeti? And I was like, no. And then somebody else that was there was like, yeah, you're Yeti. And I was like, Oh, I guess, I guess I'm Yeti. <laughs> that is great. You know, uh, Yeti or Sasquatch, Bigfoot, uh, the best, the, the world champion, uh, player in hide and seek. So that's uh, that's very appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it was at first, I didn't know if I was going to take it just because it kind of highlights, um, you know, I can be a little socially awkward when it comes to like making new friends or meeting new people. And so I just kind of walk up like, Hey, how's it going? Good. And then, all right, well, see you later. <laughs> kind of just walk off, you know? So um, it was fitting though. It worked. Okay. Well, Hey, happy new year. As we're recording this, we're early in January, not too far down, down the road of 2023. Any, any good gifts, any good hiking gifts over the holiday season? Um, you know, not hiking specific. I did get some socks, which is always appreciated. Um, the, the, some darn toughs. Um, uh, my favorite gift though, my girlfriend got me a custom shirt, um, from this company online. You give them a few props and they make a custom design for you. And she told them I like hiking my golden retriever and wild turkey 101, the bourbon. And so I got sent a shirt that's uh, like a dog hiking in the mountains, carrying a bottle of booze with him. So <laughs> it was pretty fantastic. I think I might take it with me. <laughs> that is quite the combo. That's awesome. We need to make sure that we get a picture of that so we can we can let our viewers take a look at that. Yeah, you got it. All right. Hey, have uh, Yeti, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? Uh, I have, yeah. Okay. And have you? do you have a favorite episode or a favorite guest? Um, you know, I really enjoyed the recent ones lately, just with some people I met on trail. Um, you know, I met Long Story and Ballsack. Um, and then, you know, I always enjoy watching like Tip Tap, or I think that's what it was. Yeah, Tip Tap, yeah. just because we've all seen her YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I really like the Ginger Balls one. He's, he's a fun guy to listen to. He is hilarious. And we've got another episode with him coming up a little bit later this spring. So he did not disappoint. We recorded that maybe a, a week ago and he he was great. So we've got a, a fifth, a fourth fourth or fifth episode with him. So it'll be a lot of fun. Right on. All right. Hey, Yeti, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment we do towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week. That's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make sure that their next outdoor experience is even better. So don't be surprised. You, you can feel free to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode, but you will definitely be on the hook for that one at the end. 
perfect. I'm ready for it. Okay. And because this is uh, you know, the beginning of the year and you're a first time guest on the podcast, we're going to give you the full experience, the full treatment here on the John Freakamir pod. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. Okay. It's time for a current event. So occasionally, very occasionally, we will do a current event. I'll, I'll find something in the headlines and uh, pull it out of the headlines, take some notes on it, and we'll talk about it here. We'll get your, your your fresh perspective. And I saw something last week that came out. We had we we tried to get a, an episode recorded last week. We didn't didn't end up working out. But I had this story ready to go for you, and I think it's still appropriate. So uh, Mac from Halfway Anywhere, are you familiar with the website Halfway Anywhere? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so he just came out with his PCT gear guide, uh, uh, along with his class of 2022 survey uh, for the, from the PCT hikers. So there were 953 completed surveys, and I wanted to go through with you the most common gear highlights based on that survey. All right, we'll see how many of these items you actually have, or what your your choice is. I was always like to talk gear here on on the uh, podcast. Yeah, I love it. I better have a bunch because I used that survey when I was picking out my gear. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go through some of the most common gear on the trail on the PCT this last year. The most common backpack, the ULA Circuit, weighing in at 2.2 pounds. Um, yeah, I saw that everywhere. Um, I didn't end up using that one, but I definitely saw it out there quite a bit. Okay. What did you what did you have for a pack? Um, I have the Z Packs Arcall Ultra. Yep. Z Packs, another very popular one. All right. Uh, most common shelter out there, a Z-Pax duplex, 1.19 pounds. Got that one, and I upgraded it to the Taj Mahal and bought the poles with it. Nice, nice. Your trail name could have been Taj. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The most common sleeping bag, the Enlightened Equipment Enigma, 21.2 ounces. Um. Yeah, I didn't use that one. I all my big three Z-Packs, and there's a story behind that, but I have the Z-Packs. I had a 10D bag. Okay. What is the story behind the the big three all being from Z-Packs? Um, you know, they're just – they're a great, great group of people, and um, they kind of saw my social media, and we can get into that if you want. But I was speaking with somebody about the big three and trying to narrow it down, and a lot of it came down to Z-Packs. And uh, they reached out and just said, hey, we love supporting inspiring people tell us what you want. And I just listed the big three and then week later it was here. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. They are a fantastic company. Um, have you watched Highline, the documentary? Uh, I don't think I have. Okay. Well, there, it's a story about uh, five guys doing the, you went to Highline trail and uh, just a, a great documentary, but one of the guys, you know, he, they talk about him owning a, a, uh, backpacking gear company they never say that what what company it is but i did some research afterwards and it's it's Z, it's the owner of z-packs so uh really really great group of guys him in particular so i'm not surprised at all yeah for sure i i don't have i don't have or i have too many good things to say about them so. okay all right uh, most common sleeping pad out there the thermarest neo air x light at 12 and a half 12 and a half ounces I carried it for a week and put it in a hiker box. Okay. What was the deal there? I just, uh, I've learned that I don't like sleeping pads. I poured towards the end of that week. I was sleeping on the ground next to it. <laughs> and so um, I picked up an accordion. I think it was the Z light and I just slept so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Neo air light. Is that the one that sounds like a potato chip bag? 
Yes, absolutely. And I'm like so self-conscious about like waking up other people. So when there's people next to me, I don't sleep good because I'm focusing on not moving. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that one on the show a, a couple of times. And I've been assured that the longer you use it, the more worn in it gets and the less noise it makes. But uh, man, that is that has not been, maybe I haven't been on a long enough hike, but uh, the guy that I was hiking with a couple of times had that particular brand and it was it was i would wait to see where he set up his uh his tent and then I'd, I'd go to the opposite side of the campsite yeah i've definitely heard that that and i'd like i sleep like a wild animal all spread out so even i had the wide pad and i was still you know all over the sides of it so <laughs> you, you slept like a, a yeti yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah all right most common shoes out there the ultra lone peaks not surprised at that one yep i rocked those and went through two pairs okay all right and then uh, most common water treatment is the Sawyer Squeeze. Three ounces of weight right there. And Sawyer is a brand new sponsor to the John Freaking Mirpods. So big shout out to them. Yeah, love the Sawyer Squeeze. I use that one too. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about gear here and uh, we're going to keep going a little bit. The Must Bring Gear Review. With the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. Ever try out any Six Moon Designs products? Um, you know, I haven't. Okay. All right. So uh, what this feature is, is that if you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day or multi-week or multi-month hike, uh, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear even better so yeti what what is your your must bring piece of gear out there on the trail what do you have to have yeah um mine's gonna be a little off here um i definitely mentioned z packs but um my must piece uh, of gear would be my crocs no way yeah there's something about getting to camp and taking those shoes off and having a nice comfy pair of camp shoes that was just invaluable to me Okay, so they they are a they're a camp shoe. They're not your hiking shoe. You get your ultra lone peaks for your for your hiking shoe, but uh, can't definitely a camp shoe. Uh, Jeff Garmeyer has run. I don't know if he's run a marathon or a half marathon. He in, in Crocs, but he 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 did that. He was trying to convince people it was a it was an athletic shoe. Yeah, I I hiked a little bit with a guy that was hiking in them too out there, and I just couldn't do that. But um, they're great for like river crossings too, because I hate it when my feet get wet, so I just throw those on real quick and can get across anything nice nice all right it's the hiking pole okay now we're on to the hiking pole and that is pole p-o-l-l -L, like a survey not p-o-l-e like uh, the kind of, kind of thing you carry in your hands out there i always like to point that out to my guests because i think that's very clever that i came up with that uh, i never get any reaction similar to yours you know very very little reaction but you know it makes me feel good to explain it that way love it Okay. Now this is a seven question survey that helps me determine your level of sanity. I'm going to give you a score at the end of this, uh, between one and a hundred with one being completely insane and 100 being com uh, completely sane. If I were to talk to your friends and family, your girlfriend and say, Hey, what, uh, where would you put Yeti on the sanity scale? Where, what, what kind of score do you think you'd get? Um, you know, that's a tough one. I would say probably somewhere right in the middle. Cause I, I, you know, have my stuff together as far as like the education and stuff like that. But I tend to like jump without 
thinking. So I'd say I'd land right around 50, probably <laughs> 50. Okay. Now, anybody who has set out to complete one of the American long trails, there's an automatic 25 point deduction because that, that really speaks to your state of mind, right? So uh, the highest score you can get is 75. You okay with that? Absolutely. Okay. That's, it feels appropriate, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to start, start off easy. First question out of seven, uh, trekking poles or no trekking poles out there? Um, trekking poles for sure. Yeah. And I, I listened to an episode. I can't remember who um, your guest was, but he said no trekking poles and they don't help you at all. And the whole time I was like gasping, you know, cause he has way more experience than me, but as for me, using those poles was so valuable on my knees going on descents. It just helps so much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he lost major points in the poll uh, on that question. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Question number two. I already know the answer. I'm going to ask it anyway. Boots or trail runners? Trail runners for sure. Okay. And the ultra lone peaks, you went through two pairs on the PCT? Yeah. Um, the first pair already had about 300 miles on it. So um, each of them lasted about 500. And I could have went farther. I just, you know, wanted to keep the feet comfy. So I'd upgrade. Right, right. Now, were you were you like the typical hiker who, when they first get involved, I mean, their entire life, they have this image of what hiking is all about, and they feel like, okay, I got, I have to get. If I'm going to go hiking, I'm going to get boots. Did you start out in boots and then move to trail runners, or did you were you strictly trail runners the whole time? Um, you know, like growing up and stuff like that, I was always in hiking boots, just being in Idaho and in the the big mountains and what it snow a lot. Um, but once I started researching the PCT heavy. And everyone just said trail runners, trail runners. So like six months before I was setting off on the PCT, I bought a pair to try them out and ended up loving them. So um, I didn't use any boots on the PCT. Okay. Now, when it comes to your shelter system, I, again, I think I know the answer, but let's go ahead and ask it. What is your preference? Is it tent, tarp, hammock, bivy, or hey, let's just go cowboy camping? Um, you know, I did mostly uh, camp in a tent, but once I started cowboy camping and started you know, experience in that it, it became addictive for sure. So, um, yeah, I would say 50, 50, but you know, there's something about getting in a tent and having your own space and being able to just relax. Um, it's pretty awesome. Now, are you one of those guys that can cowboy camp anywhere or there, the, the conditions have to be right for cowboy camping? Um, you know, I started doing it to get out of the wind just because wind was my enemy, um, being able to sleep with it and stuff. And then, you know, once if you're in places where there's bears, you know, I was very skeptical of that. Um, in the desert, everyone was worried about snakes and stuff, but um, I was more worried about spiders. I just have a huge phobia of spiders for some reason. Um, but yeah, I could do it pretty much anywhere. Just nothing crazy. <laughs> okay. Where do you think the phobia of spiders came from? Did you have a bad experience as a, as a child somewhere? I, you know, I think it's because I used to live like in a cabin and, uh, there's hobo spiders. And if you're not familiar with those, they're like really aggressive and they chase you. So if you see a hobo spider, it'll start running towards you. And yeah, ever since that as a kid, I'm like, no, thanks. All right. That is terrifying. I, I would have a phobia as well. I, in fact, I might already have a phobia, but uh, it would it would be compounded if I had spiders chasing me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I make my girlfriend kill him. Out of boy, out of boy. All right. Question four, sleeping bag or quilt? Um, I used a sleeping bag, but I never zipped it up. So I used it like a quilt. <laughs> so I had a bag, but, um, little of both, I guess. I'm unsure how to score that answer. That's the first time this answer 
has been offered on the podcast. So congratulations on that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like my feet to be extra toasty, but I like the room of having a quote. So, <laughs> okay. And when it comes to food out on the trail, are you a stove guy? Do you like the cold soak or do you go stoveless? I um, never cold soaked once. I there's you know I'm a big food guy, um, as you'll learn as this goes on. So you know, a nice warm meal at the end, some macaroni and cheese. Yeah, it's a stove for sure. Okay, what's your go-to hot meal out on on the trail? Um, you know, my favorite one I tried, which is super hard to find, was the back pantry backpacker pantry. Um, it was like a green chili mac and cheese. Ooh. Yeah, I only found it at like two stores, but it was fantastic. That's next level right there. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Question number six, is life better above or below the tree line? Um, It's better enjoying it awake above the tree line, but it's better sleeping below it. <laughs> Got it. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. And last question, question number seven, what's more important, pack weight or luxury items? Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I would say pack weight probably for me, just cause I was so focused on getting it dialed in. Um, but there's a few, you know, luxury items that I just refuse to go without too. So, um, yeah, but pack weight, I, I focused pretty heavy on that and I got it pretty low. Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions there. What was your pack weight on the PCT? Um, base weight when I started was right about 13 pounds. Nice. Nice. And yeah. what were the what were the must-bring luxury items other, other than your Crocs? Yeah, the Crocs were the big one. Um, I carried two pillows <laughs> just again for sleeping. Um, and then I had an extra pair of camp socks and an extra pair of sleeping clothes, um, which, you know, isn't, I guess, ultra light, quote unquote. So I call them my luxury items. <laughs> okay. And tell me those were, were inflatable pillows and not full-size pillows from your, from your bed at home. No, definitely not. They're both inflatable. Okay. All right. We, we went hiking with a guy in the, in the, in the Sierras his first time on a multi-day, uh, backpacking trip. And he brought his full-size pillow from home along with, you know, towels to dry off when he gets out of the lake and, all kinds of other stuff that he eventually ended up leaving behind uh, at some point. Cause it was just ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, a full size pillow sounds amazing after a long day. Of Isn't it? You got <laughs> that right. You got that right. All right. Hey, I've got to do a little math here. Uh, Yeti, I've got to put your answers through the, the John freaking Muirpod algorithm. So I got to carry the three I'm going to uh, multiply by root three and then divide by pi. We're going to adjust for the temperature on a at, at dawn on the top of Whitney, and I come up with a score of 58. 58. That's pretty good. Yeah, 58. I love that. It's higher than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, you're you're north of the midpoint line. You're you're a little more sane than insane. But you know, that that score is subject to change throughout the interview here. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds about right because I met some pretty insane people out there. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail. Uh, why don't you take us through, you know, your background, where you grew up, what kinds of activities you were involved in as a kid and, and how in the heck did you end up, uh, on the trail? How, how did you get involved and interested in through hiking? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I grew up in Southern Idaho, so outdoors was always like a big part of my life, you know, the hunting, fishing, camping, um, you know, pretty much outdoors as much as possible. And yeah, I grew up an athlete, did a, you know, all the sports, um, until my senior year, um, I blew out my knee playing football. 
um, and tried to keep doing it in college and then uh, realized it wasn't wasn't going to work out. So um, sports ended for me um, when I went into college. Um, and, you know, a lot of life events we can get into in the 20s. Um, but I ended up just obsessing over the PCT because I had heard about it about something. And somebody's like, hey, watch this movie, you know, the one that everyone's seen. And then I just, you know, like, you know, someday I'm going to do that um, and just start researching it more and more. But, you know, as my life progressed and, you know, certain things happened and I gained a whole bunch of weight, which we can get into. And it just wasn't a possibility. It's something I never thought I'd do. So um, it was always in the back of my mind as something I would love. I watched all the YouTube videos and I, you know, um, kept up with it. And just never really thought it was going to happen. So uh, pretty stoked when I made it happen. Yeah. In, in a lot of my conversations with folks who have uh, been on the PCT or the AT or the, the CDT or, or other even longer trails, it, it all started with some kind of seed that was planted. Some kind of, I, I don't I don't even want to call it a seed. It's more like a worm that gets into the brain and just kind of wriggles around for a while. What do, what do you think the appropriate incubation time for that mind worm is from, you know, inception to, you know, actually foot on the trail. I, I've heard people who have lived with it for 10 plus years and finally hit the trail or people as, as short as like, you know, six months. What, what is, what do you think the average is? I, that's a great question. You know, um, I think it's in your brain as long as it needs to be until you can't take it anymore. And you just got to take the step out there. And it's for me, the reason I, was so intrigued with it at first um, not only the outdoors part but the part of you know life gets stressful I have a stressful job I was in school for a really long time so the concept of all I have to do today is put one foot in front of the other um, you know and for five months that is the only thing you have to do um, was so intriguing to me so just shut everything out and just you know be present so that's what really drew me to it I think yeah there certainly is a simplicity of purpose in life when you're out on the trail I mean, you're waking up, you're breaking camp, you are uh, walking down a trail, and then you're you're making camp and going to sleep and repeating, you know, several weeks, months until it's over. But uh, all all the other stuff, all the extraneous stuff uh, of city life, just kind of falls by the wayside. Really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Gives you a lot of time to think about what's important. Yes, and and what did you think about out there? <clears throat> um, you know, a lot of, you know, what I want to do with my life and what I want to be. And, um, you know, I've had a kind of a rough past and just kind of processing through all that and being able to sit with it and think through it and just kind of feel all the feels. And, um, you know, I spent so much of my life just, you know, being tough and manning up and not dealing with anything that it kind of led me down this road that was really bad, um, for me until I eventually figured it out. But yeah, it's just, you know, trying to figure out who I was, I guess. Okay. Now, before we get to that, that story, the, the backstory there, what, uh, what do you do currently to pay the bills and uh, finance your, your adventures? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a bit of a unique situation. I'm, uh, I hate this word, but social media influencer, I guess, uh, or content creator, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Nice. I mean, you have a, you have a fairly large following on Instagram. I, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Between Instagram and TikTok, it's, uh, it's over a million now. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And it all happened by accident really. So it's been a bizarre year, year and a half. So I keep telling Mrs. Doc, you know, I, that's my, my goal as well to be a social media influencer and, and, you know, retire 
from my my day job, but I keep telling her, just be patient. It's going to happen. So I'll, I'll have to Absolutely. pick your brain. <laughs> yeah, just got to keep grinding out the content. <laughs> keep grinding. There you go. Now, um, let's see. Uh, let's go. Let's go to your story. You, you talk about a, a tough pass, having to overcome some obstacles, being in a position where you thought that you know you wanted to hike, but you thought maybe you would never get there. T- take us, take us through that. What, what was going on? Yeah, for sure. So it was, um, you know, I had a lot of uh, trauma in my younger years, and when I got to college, um, a lot of a lot of it also happened in my senior year of high school. So when I got to college, I found you know, my unhealthy coping mechanisms of, you know, drinking, um, and, you know, doing all the things you're not supposed to be doing to be healthy, joined a fraternity and, you know, what better place to hide those bad habits than in a party house. Um, you know, and I still did, you know, did great in school. I ended up, I have five degrees now. Um, but it was just trying to not think about all the things that were going on in my life. And I, you know, drowned it with booze and it ended up, um, through the years, I ended up gaining a lot of weight to where um, July of 2020, I was almost 500 pounds. Um, and it was just from, you know, I stopped doing all the things that I loved. I stopped after college. I played a little bit of semi-pro football and I broke my ankle. So I couldn't play football anymore, even after college. And that's when it just started going downhill. Um, started gaining a lot of weight. And I, at the time I was a news reporter, so I was on camera. And I quit that job because I hated being seeing myself on camera and switched careers and, you know, went into education. But yeah, a lot of, you know, unfortunate events. I used to be a big snowboarder guy. I used to work on a ski hill. Um, and, you know, I went snowboarding one time when I was big, just delusional. And I got off the ski lift and went to put my boots on and I couldn't reach my boots. And so it kind of hit me like, okay, you know, something's, we got to figure something out here. Um, you know, I stopped skating, surfing, all the things I loved. I stopped hunting, I stopped hiking, stopped traveling. Um, and it just got to this point, you know, towards the end of my, when I was 29 and 30, I was in a kind of a toxic relationship and it, we were engaged and it kind of ended all of a sudden. And that was in June of 2020. And, um, I was in this, you know, dark place, I guess, rock bottom, if you would call it. And I decided, you know, enough's enough. I'm going to give myself one week. And then I'm going to figure my life out. And that was July 1st of 2020. And in the year and a half after that, I lost 235 pounds. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And it was, I had a a book here where I wrote down all my goals and what I wanted to do. And, you know, I didn't even know if it was possible to lose all that weight. I had no idea what I was doing or how I was going to do it. But the first thing I wrote down was in giant letters was PCT and I circled it and underlined it. You know, and even at the time, I didn't believe I'd ever make it happen. Um, but yeah, a year and a half later, I got my permit. Nice, nice. Now I have some follow-up questions. So you have you have five degrees now? Yeah. What What are those degrees in? Uh, my undergrads are in public relations, political science, and advertising. And then my grad degrees are in adult organizational learning and leadership and human resource development. Fantastic. And you used to be a news reporter and you switched from that and went into education. What, what did you do in education? Yeah, I, uh, I worked in administration for a bit in early college, uh, senior coordinator. So I was helping high school students go to college. And then I was an adjunct prep professor and I taught history of rock and roll. Oh man. What a dream job right there. Adjunct professor of rock and roll. Yeah, it was fantastic. I loved it. And what, uh, take us through a typical semester in the, the rock and roll course at that, at that college. 
What, what kind you know of what surprised me? Cover? Uh, we I covered everything starting from the beginning, you know, late forties and all the way through. Well, I, I usually end like mid nineties because that's where, um, you know, my favorites end, <laughs> and I spend a lot of time in the late sixties because that's my favorite. But, uh, you know, it's these young kids. I went in there the first day and I said, you know, who knows who Led Zeppelin is? And nobody raised their hand. And I was like, who knows who Bob Dylan is? And one kid raised his hand, and I was like, oh boy, we got a we got a ways to go here. So. Yeah, we go through all of it and it's, you know, I tie it to like the cultural significance of the time, you know, what was happening in the 60s, you know, like uh, Neil Young's Four Dead in Ohio, what was that song about, you know, things like that. And then we just talk about the history of rock and roll and how, you know, a lot of Elvis stuff was stolen and, you know, just all the cool, fun things like that. Yeah, I was an English teacher for for a number of years and I love talking about, you know, nothing is written in a vacuum. There's context, there's social context, the, you know, where the author grew up, what time period that the author grew up in and, you know, what was happening. And that that's all seeps into the, the work of literature. And the same thing goes for music, right? I mean, there's, there's definitely a context for all this. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite lessons I would go through um, American Pie. And if you listen to every single lyric in that, it's talking about something completely different that's significant in the times or, you know, things like that or the day the music died and what that's about. And, you know, these, a lot of the young people just don't have any clue what, you know, what was the day the music died, you know, stuff right. like that. So it's a lot of fun. What was your favorite unit to teach your favorite band to teach? Um, I love the late sixties just cause I, you know, if I had to pick number one album of all time, I'm going Led Zeppelin four, you know, so all that stuff. And I, it's always fun too, cause I bring in my record player and my records and I'll, you know, hand a record to a student I'm like okay go play stairway to heaven and they just look at it like where's the where's the next button where's the play button and they just have no clue so it's always fun to watch them try and struggle and you know find a track nice the best the best tiktok uh music or the best music to put to tiktok related to anything hiking is of course ramble on by led zipline for sure absolutely <laughs> yeah what uh, if you had to, if you had to narrow it down to three? What are your top three favorite bands? Um, Led Zeppelin's going to be there. Um, I'm a big fan of like the early '90s grunge too. Um, so a little bit out there, but I love uh, Blind Melon. And then you know, let's see, switch up a completely different genre. I really love a lot of hard rock too. So maybe let's go Slipknot because they're incredible live. Slipknot. Wow. That, that That is quite the variety right there. Yeah. They're just, just what popped into my head. I want to switch it up a little bit. Yeah. I had the, the great uh, privilege of going to the stadium tour this past October, August, October. I, I think maybe it was August in uh, at SoFi in Los Angeles. And the stadium tour was of course uh, it was Joan Jett, Poison, Def Leppard and Motley Crue. And it was fantastic. Yeah. sounds like quite the lineup. I've, I saw Joe Jet before um, in a few of those, but or I'm a big fan of all of those, but yeah, it sounds like quite the concert. All right. Now you lost 230 pounds. You said. Yeah. 235. 235. Yeah. 235. How did you lose the weight? How did, how did you go about doing that? Um, day one, uh, my older brother's a personal trainer. So day one, I just called him. I said, I'm ready. And he's like, all right, meet me in the gym in 30 minutes. And after the gym, he took me to the grocery store and I just decided to grind. You know, I was going to do whatever I could to chase these goals of mine. So it was consistent 
calorie deficit and exercise. You know, I kept it really simple. And um, the key for me was just 100% consistency. That first year, I never skipped a day. I never had a, you know, quote unquote cheat meal. I was just in grind mode. And it, you know, bittersweet, and I hate to say that, but it was also during COVID. So I was locked down. I built a garage in my, um, or a gym in my garage, and I just locked myself in there and got to work. Right. Now you say exercise, what kinds of activities would you do? And then also with the calorie deficit, you know, what, what was your calorie limit per day? Yeah. Um, so for the exercises, I started just walking my dog a lot. Um, and it got to the point where if we weren't going, she was barking at me and biting at me to go. So it became an everyday thing, you know, and it started just one mile and worked up from there. And then I lift weights, um, three to five times a week. Um, when I had the home gym, it was a lot easier, but uh, when I decided to do this PCT hike, I sold everything I owned. I used to invest in real estate as well. I sold everything, got rid of everything just to do this. So, um, yeah. And then calorie deficit. When I started out, my brother put me on like, he, this is the calories, this is the carbs, this is the protein. And I just figured out like a few meals that would hit all those. And the first two months, I just ate the same thing every day, which is no way to live. Right. But it worked. And then once I did my own research into it, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to focus on protein and calories and um, kept them low. And there was a, a point there where I got too low um, and went to my doctor because I was lifting weights and I could tell I was lifting less and less, which isn't supposed to happen when you're working out all the time. Um, and my brother's like, yeah, you're not eating enough. And um, it didn't really hit me until, you know, they start explaining, like, when you're that low in calories, you're also going to be losing muscle and your heart's a muscle. So you could be doing real damage. So, um, you know, went to my doctor and got all my blood work and stuff checked. And he's like, you know, everything was fine. He's like, yeah, you got to up those calories. And so it was like another mind game for me of, you know, this is working and it's working fast. Now I got to slow it down, which was hard for me. But, you know, you got to listen to your doctor. So that's right. Yeah, that could be frustrating, but uh, yeah, you got to stay healthy. Yeah, for sure. So how many, how many calories did you end up, you know, was your average daily intake? Um, it, you know, it changed, you know, when I'm 480 pounds, that's a lot. When you, when I got down to 250, it's a lot less, um, but I never being in the healthy way I was doing it. Um, you know, when I wasn't going too low, I stuck around right around 2000, 1800, which is still pretty low for a big guy, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. Consistency is key, right? I mean, putting yourself on, on lockdown and then this regimented program and following it faithfully, that, that is going to yield the, the most results in the, the soon on the soonest timeline. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I've learned since then, you know, that first year for most people, that's not realistic to, you know, eat the same things, be a hundred percent consistent. And I learned, you know, in the few months after that, before I hit the trail of the balance of it, of still being able to stay in a calorie deficit, but I, I'd started dating and, you know, you don't want to go to on a, a date and order some broccoli, you know? So I learned the balance of, you know, living life and enjoying yourself, but also keeping it healthy and still losing weight. So I just, I recommend the balance <laughs> approach, but uh, for me at that size, what I needed is the all or nothing and I'm not giving up no matter what. That's right. Now, you know, when you hit a certain age, like I did, uh, your metabolism slows down. And so what I found kind of works for me right now is intermittent fasting. So I have a, a food window, I call it the food window, where I only eat between noon and six. And it, 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 again, that consistency, that is very helpful for me 
that if somebody offers me something after six or before noon, I say, it's easy. It's easier for me to say, no, the window's not open yet. You know, I have to wait till noon or I have to, you know, it's already six. I, I, I maybe, maybe tomorrow I can do it, but uh, not right now. So that's, that's been helpful for me. Yeah, definitely. And I've, you know, I've heard some great things about intermittent fasting and the different health benefits and stuff like that. Um, I, for a while I skip, was skipping breakfast just cause I'm not a big breakfast guy. So technically I was doing that, but I never right. like purposefully said, I'm only doing this time. Yeah. Now, what was your, what was your weight in high school? Um, high school, I was like, I was a little bigger than most people, but not, uh, I would say a little above average. I was maybe 220, 230. Um, but like I said, I was an athlete and, you know, I was a state champion football player and I, um, did the baseball and did everything. Uh, I didn't, I quit wrestling in high school just because I wasn't as good as that as I was at the other stuff, but, um, it was never an issue for me, um, yeah. in high school. So. Yeah. You a lineman? I was, yeah. Offense, defense, both, both, both two way player. Yeah. Um, no. So we were, and I'm still proud of this. Um, I was, we were the only first and only five, eight state champions from twin falls high school in Idaho. Uh, because after I graduated, they went to four, a cause they built another high school. So, uh, we're the first and only state champs that were five. A. Nice. Nice. Get yourself a ring. I did, yeah. Yeah, I lost it in college, of course, but I have plans of getting another one remade. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you're about 220 in high school. What did you you set your goal weight for on the weight loss program to when you would decide, okay, this now I can can do the PCT? Um, You know, it wasn't even – I just said an arbitrary number I threw out was 250, and it wasn't even like 250 in order to do the PCT because – even when I wrote down PCT, I didn't really believe in myself that it was a possibility. It was just this sky in the high or yeah, pie in the sky dreams, whatever the saying is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then when I got down to about 260, um, it was about two months before the permits came out. And I'm like, you know, this is a possibility now, you know, I'm exercise, I'm hiking or walking 10 miles a day right now, no matter, you know, already this could actually be a thing. So I started looking into it more and more. And then once I got that permit, it was like, okay, this is real. This is going to happen. Um, let's make it work. You know, I put in my notice at work. I started training hard. Um, and it just kind of became a reality when I, yeah, I got down to about 240. And then in January, I'm like, I'm hiking in March. I'm going to lose way more weight than I want to. So I stop in the diet right now. And I probably gained 10, 15 pounds before I started hiking, which is not a good thing, you know, <laughs> but, um, I just figured I'd lose it all on the trail. So, Okay. And that brings us to the PCT. We're going to put a pin in it right there because we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and we'll pick this up right on the other side. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. 
Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. This episode is sponsored by Jolly Gear. Are you tired of compromising between the ventilation of a button-down and the full protection of a sun hoodie? With the Triple Crown button-down, you can have the best of both. Plus, their fun standout patterns will have you the talk of the trail. Visit them at jollygear.com. Thru-hiker owned, Jolly Gear, where fun meets functional. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Jared Aslett, a.k.a. Yeti, uh, about his journey to finding himself on the PCT. So he was found himself in a very dark spot, pulled himself out of it, uh, stuck to the routine, did what he had to do, lost the weight, picked up some healthy habits, and now he has his PCT permit. So you got that in January? Uh, I got it in November, and I was like the eighth pick. I got so lucky. Wow. Top 10 pick. Yep. <laughs> so this is November of 2021? Um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you did the hike in 2022? Yep. Okay. So between being the eighth pick and actually stepping foot on the trail, what other types of activities did you do to prepare yourself physically or also do any kind of research to, to make sure that you were in a good spot? Yeah. Um, so I took a, a little bit of a unique approach, um, not so much in the physical preparation because I had already been exercising for a year and a half. Um, I was confident in my you know, stamina and putting in some miles. Um, and so I had read and saw in some like uh, YouTube videos or whatever it was, you know, one of the hard aspects of the PCT is, you know, being alone or, you know, dealing with that seclusion and stuff like that. So um, I packed up, I built like a camper in the back of my truck and I packed up and I took off for about four months, um, and just traveled solo, um, bounced around to different parks and did some hiking. Um, I made the mistake of starting off that adventure in Hawaii. And I say the mistake because I almost didn't leave. I was there for like three and a half weeks. And I was like, I, I wanted to drive across the whole country and I just got stuck there. I was living in a like shipping container home on North shore and just surfing every day and swimming in the ocean. And 
uh, one day I had my backpack with all the stuff I was living with and uh, we were driving by the airport and I just said, let me out. And they're like, what? And I said, let me out. If I don't leave right now, I'm never leaving. And so I just hopped back on a plane, came back, and then I started. The plan was to go all across the country, but I did like 11 states, mostly in the West. And then I was in some sketchy mountains in Northern California and my truck broke down. Um, so I drove it. I was able to fix it with some duct tape and drove it back to Idaho. And uh, it was out of commission for a while. So I hopped on my motorcycle and just started exploring some places in Idaho and hiking off of my motorcycle. I just put, park it at a trailhead or a campground and just take off. Um, so just really learning to make sure I was going to be okay being alone, you know, spending the time with myself because, you know, that's something I hadn't done in a long time. Um, and so that was, that was a big preparation and um, going into the PCT, you know, well, people hang, always hang, decide, hang on Yeti. Oh, yeah. hang on Yeti. You, you glossed over a lot of information right there. I've got some, I got some questions for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number one, a sketchy town in Northern California. You, you, do you care to drop, uh, drop names there or. Um, so I didn't mean towns like a mountain range. I was just going off of, I had um, just barely made my social media public by then. And so uh, people knew I was traveling and I asked somebody like, what's a cool camp spot. This is the area I'm in. And somebody gave me a camp spot and I didn't research it. I just put it in my phone and I'd start driving up this mountain and there's an ocean on the side with a huge drop off and a dirt road. And I'm bouncing around. And as I'm going up, my clutch gets out. There's nowhere to turn around. There's, and it, it, I had no clutch. So I'm just ramming it in gear. And I found a place that had just enough where I could get my truck up and back it enough and made it back down that mountain. And I was, you know, not to be graphic when I got down to the bottom, I got out of my truck and vomited because I'm like, I almost just died. Um, and then I'm like, from then on, I'm like, I need to start researching what I'm doing instead of just driving. And I'm like, Oh, that looks cool. And going up there. So from then on, I started planning like a day ahead. <laughs> nice. And did you fix the clutch with duct tape? Um, so it was, the clutch was slipping to where I couldn't get into certain gears, but I could, if you start it first, you know, it'll jump start, and then I could shift it with the RPMs. And I did that for like 300 miles to make it back. And it was so sketchy, but uh, I made it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now you also said you started in Hawaii and you also made reference to this vehicle that you're in. Did you take the vehicle over to Hawaii? No, no. no I just was... hopped on plane and yeah. Okay. Okay. So that, yeah, I would talk a little that's, bit. That's a diehard approach to make sure that you drove that vehicle in every state. No, no, I knew somebody in Hawaii, and they his family had like these uh, like shipping container home setups, and mm -hmm. I stayed in one of those for a while. Yeah, and I love the willpower. Again, this comes back to willpower of you know you're having such a great time, and and maybe never ever going to leave. And you take that moment uh, when you're near the airport. Hey, just let me out. I, I got to go. If I don't go now, I'm never going. Yep, absolutely. And I, I was only in the airport, surprisingly, for like an hour. And they're like, yeah, we got a flight in an hour. And I was like, all right, sign me up. <laughs> all right. I saw, Sorry to interrupt there. Go ahead and continue with your, your story there. Oh, I don't even remember where I was going with it, to be honest. Well, you just finished up with the sketchy, sketchy mountain and fixing your car with duct tape. And then uh, in your preparation for the, for the PCT. Oh, you know what? One more thing before before you continue, I'm going to continue to interrupt. Have you have you seen the the TV show Alone? Yeah, love it. Yeah, so I mean that you're you're exactly right that the reason that most of those people tap out is not because of hunger or elements or anything else. It's being alone, especially when they when they're out there for for 30, 60, 70 days 
just by themselves, I mean, it it really wears on the human psyche. So I think that's a good approach that you took to try and be out there by yourself for a long time in preparation for the PCT. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it worked out because I spent a majority of my time um, on the trail alone. Okay. So you head down to the border, starting off in Campo. What's, what's going through your mind? Um, getting to the, getting to Campo was a nightmare for me as well. Um, cause I just, I called an Uber to take me to, um, Cleef, but there's no like address when you type that into Uber or I, I typed an address, but they like, don't go there or something. And there was a language barrier between me and the, the driver. He just saw my backpack and he kept looking at his phone and looking at me and he's like, border. I was like, yeah, border. He's like the border. And I was like, yes, the border. <laughs> So he's like, with my backpack, he's probably confused. Like, are you sneaking into Mexico? Um, but they dro- ended up dropping me off. It was like 10 o'clock at night um, in the middle of nowhere, not near Cleef. I mean, it was like two miles away, but he just pulls over and there's no buildings, no nothing. He's like, all right, you're here. And so I get out of the car and I'm like pulling up my map and I didn't have great service. I had no idea where to go. Um, so I just start walking down the road. And then I looked when I finally got service, I, looked up Cleese number and called him and the guy just goes, yeah, just walk towards the lights. Which direction are you walking? And I was like, South He's like, yeah, I walk towards the lights. I was like, okay. <laughs> so 30 minutes later, I pulled into Cleef at camp and um, everyone was already going to bed. So I just set up really quick and got into my tent, but yeah, it was an adventure in itself getting there. <laughs> and what were your feelings the first few days out on trail? You know, I've talked to a lot of people who kind of had that imposter uh, syndrome where, you know, they, they feel like everybody else is so much more experienced and that, you know, they're just kind of faking it till they make it. Is that kind of similar with you or? Yeah. And I would say mine was to an extreme. Um, it took me about, actually, you know, I don't think I ever got over it. I, the whole time I was out there, I never felt like I was a real hiker. I never felt like I was one of them. You know, I was kind of felt like a fraud. And I think that's why I spent most of the trail alone. Um, just because, you know, I, I've experienced, in the outdoors and I've experienced backpacking, you know, nothing through hikes or nothing extreme, but I had done multi-day hikes before, you know, when we go to elk camp, we were in the mountains for a while. Um, so I knew I was comfortable with my skills. I was just coming from this place of, you know, trying to prove to myself that I was, you know, worthy of being there, I guess. Uh, but those first few days, it's, you start seeing the things that you watch on all the videos, right? The sign that says three miles this way and, you know, 2000 something this way. And it's just kind of like this euphoric feeling. And then you get to um, the Canyon and the name's escaping me right now, but that first Canyon, like 16 miles in. And a lot of people really struggled the day that I was there. They didn't carry enough water. Um, Hauser, Hauser Canyon. And I start walking up it and I, I carried quite a bit of water enough because I knew it was going to be, a, that was going to be the end of my hike towards midday, which, you know, a lot of people frowned on, but I was confident in my abilities to get up it, but I get going and, you know, maybe a quarter mile up, I see an older gentleman folded over a rock, just drenched in sweat, really struggling out of water. So I gave him half of my leader that I had left, you know, and he was grateful, of course. And then I kept going. And then a guy behind me, um, a different guy had to call search and rescue heat exhaustion. And I'm just, it kind of hit me like, you know, uh, this is real. And they, a lot of people called Hauser the gauntlet because it's your first like real mountain or like Canyon you're walking out of. And it's really hot. And I breezed through it. I was just cruising. I put on, you know, this audio book and I just 
was passing everybody and just cruising right along. I had plenty of water. I was out by the time I got to the top because I gave another person some water and I figured there was a reserve at the top. And if not, I only had two more miles. So I get to the top where the reserve is and there's, you know, volunteers coming from Lake Miranda carrying jugs and they offered me water. I was like, people behind me needed more. There's only two more miles. I'm fine. And got into camp. So that kind of gave me a little confidence boost. Um, but it was a real eye, eye-opening experience that, hey, you know, you're out here. Um, and then I got a huge blister. So I, I spent a half a zero or a Nero on my third day on the PCT, just letting that blister heal. Right. Now, when you, when you were uh, getting ready for the PCT, did you have a, a certain part that you were really excited about or you weren't looking forward to? I mean, what, what, what were your feelings about going into the desert? Because I, I know people have have kind of preconceived notions about what that desert piece is going to be all about. You know, I absolutely did because I mean I was looking forward most to the Sierras, and I ended up leaving right before that. But all these YouTube videos, everyone skips over the desert. You know, it seems like their videos really start at like mile five, six, seven hundred. So when I hear desert, I just thought you know semi flat desert. It's going to be hot, long water carries, no problem. But when you get out there, it's you're hiking up and down canyons and mountains the whole time. So it completely, completely different than what I expected. I thought you'd go rolling hills ish desert, and it's not. You're you're up and down every single day. Yeah, in his book, um, Journeys North. Is that the name of the book by Barney Scott? Man. Yeah. Journeys North. Yeah. Did you read that? I, I'm halfway through it. I got it up right. Okay. I uh, yeah, so actually he, just was talking with him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he talks a little bit about uh, that that desert experience, and he refers to the Sky Islands. And I thought that was a beautiful way to put it because there are there are parts where you, you're you're down on flat desert land, but then there's there's also these ascents to the top of these what he calls Sky Islands, and then back down again. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what, what did you learn about yourself out there on the, on the trail as you progressed further on this hike? Um, you know, I learned that you, surprisingly enough, I didn't have as much time to reflect as I thought I would, because I'm just thinking about this sucks right now, or this is amazing, or, you know, trying to be present. Um, and then I just kind of, you know, I, I took my body to two very different extremes. Um, you know, most people don't hike, you know, 600 miles continuous and most people don't get to 500 pounds, which, you know, thankfully that's not the case. Um, and I just learned, you know, like I'm capable of doing things, um, hard things, even if I didn't at first believe I was. And do you have a, a favorite memory from, from your time on the trail out there? Yeah, I had a, a few unique experiences. Um, my favorite memories, you know, like you, you mentioned, type two fun. Um, the first real scary incident I can remember is the San Jacintos because there was still snow when we got there. And, you know, a person in front of me slipped and they caught themselves, luckily, but three more feet and it would have been disastrous. And, you know, like two weeks before we got there, somebody had passed away, had an accident on that mountain. So it just builds in your mind of this Um kind of scary situation but you're going to do it anyways and then i got up there and there was there's some snow drops where you had to get down to the water where i was terrified and but there's people down at the water watching you so you're not going to like take a break excess i'm like no i got this and just powered through it um i had a couple unique experiences you know for me a lot of people in um, acton get off and go into six flags 
well, I had been too big to ride roller coasters. So I used to love them as a kid. So I'm like, absolutely taking this opportunity. Went and rode some roller coasters. Um, another unique experience, um, NBC figured out about my story and wanted me to come do a segment with um, Access Hollywood. So when I got to Cajon Pass, they sent a car, came, picked me up, took me to Universal Studios. And, you know, I'm smelling like a hiker. I got my bag with me and I took a shower and did some laundry before, but it wasn't enough to wash the hiker trash off of you. And they just threw me in hair and makeup. And I'm sitting there like getting my makeup done about to go on television and just thinking how bizarre it was. Did the interview with Mario and Kat. And then they just drove me straight back to trail. And an hour later, I was back on trail. And I was just reflecting on that. Like, what just happened? <laughs> that, that had to be surreal. I mean, talk about extremes, right? One extreme to the other from hiker trash out on the trail to having your hair and makeup done for a TV interview. Yeah. And then the next day on the trail, I'm using like, a horse trough to wash the makeup off my face. <laughs> yeah. And six flags. I mean, that is literally I, from my house, I could run to six flags. So that's, that's my neck of the woods. That's where I am. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That was an incredible experience. Just riding those. And for some reason, the day we were there, there was nobody there. We never waited in line and it was, there ended up being about 30, 40 hikers there that day. So at one point really? we, you, cause you can spot hiker trash from a mile away. So even if we're not there together, we're like, Oh, hey, and we took one big picture that just had a bunch of us in it. So um, it was a lot of fun. That is awesome. Now I know the goal was to finish 2,650 miles on the trail. What, uh, what ended up happening? Yeah. So at about um, mile 500, um, it's actually where I met, finally met a group of dudes that I really vibed with. Um, and we called ourselves the misfits, you know, just cause we're, there's one, one guy and I have to give a shout out to little spoon. He's just got one of those radiant personalities to where everyone just flocks around him. And, you know, it became the joke that, you know, little spoon is the vortex that you get sucked into. And I absolutely did. So right around Acton's when I met him and then within five minutes, they were sitting at a table and I was about ready to go to bed. And I was like, I, I need to go like start being social. I need to introduce myself to these guys. So I walked up and they had, you know, pack, uh, adult beverages on the table and I was like hey you mind if I have one it's like absolutely we're talking five minutes later and he goes oh you're with us now within five minutes and then I did I acted with him for a long time um, but I was pushing some more bigger miles and once I got up like above 20 um, I started having ankle troubles so a few years ago I broke my ankle and I have a metal plate in there and it never really given me problems but it had started really hurting and I just thought it was you know this is part of it Everyone's got the hiker hobble. You'll be fine. Um, but once I started getting closer to Tehachapi, it started giving out. So I'd be walking up on a mountain and it would just collapse and I'd stumble. And um, that's when I started getting worried that I'm doing permanent damage. Um, and, you know, I told myself it's irresponsible to go into the Sierras with an injury that's making you stumble. Um, so, yeah, in Tehachapi, the, uh, with that group of misfits and i just made the decision i need to get this checked out and i need to do the smart thing here and so i did i flew home saw a specialist got all the x-rays and it wasn't broken um but the tendon they described it like my tendon in the on that plate is like taking a rubber band and rubbing it on the edge of a desk and they said if you do that enough i had severe tendonitis and then it was causing bone spurs because that tendon was ripping bones off my ankle um so saw the specialist and I said, am I doing more damage or is this, am I okay to keep going? And he just 
he told me, you know, eventually if it keeps bothering you, you're going to have to have surgery. Um, but you're not going to do irreparable damage by keeping going. So I thought, you know, that's great news. I took two weeks off to rest it. I'll be fine. Um, and by then my, uh, the dudes I was hiking with were about to enter the Sierras. And so I decided, which ended up being a terrible decision. I decided I'm going to do a flip-flop. I'm going to start in Tahoe and I'll just go slow for a while and let them catch up to me, meet up with them. And for me, getting back on trail just didn't feel the same. You know, I've seen hikers around me and they're just like, talking about the Sierras and I'm like, I just didn't feel it because I skipped them, you know, and hitting mile 1100 didn't feel like hitting mile 1100 because I just skipped 400 of them. Um, and it started weighing on me. And then I made it about 40, 50 more miles. And my ankle gave out again, going up the first big mountain, big test. And I just mentally wasn't in it. And I physically knew I wasn't going to finish the trail if my ankle was still hurting after resting it for two weeks. And I made the tough decision of uh, calling it quits and turning back. And it was the hardest, hardest decision I've ever made because for reasons, you know, personal reasons of, you know, I told myself I was going to do something. I want to finish it. And then also, you know, I just told, you know, my million followers I was going to do it. And then I just told national TV that I was going to do it. And so at the end of the day, I just said, I got to do what's right for me and I got to do what's right for my health. And when I turned around those last 40 miles, I kept seeing familiar faces and people that I had met earlier. And, you know, after two conversations and hugs and, you know, emotional talks, um, I started hiding from people that were coming. Just I didn't have it in me to talk to them and tell them I was quitting anymore. So I'd see hikers coming and I'd just go behind a tree and take a break. It was just really hard. And then when I got off trail, you know, it was great to get back to family and stuff. And then it took me about a week to decide uh, I have unfinished business and I'm going back. I, I was going to ask if you're going to go back. That's awesome. That's outstanding. And you know what? I want to commend you because that was, that took a lot of courage. That was courageous what you did because once you publish something, once you say something that you're going to do this and it's out there in the world, whether it's you told your family or whether you've told a million followers or, or national TV that you're doing this. I mean, that just, that, that puts even more pressure on your shoulders uh, you're not just doing it for yourself. Now you feel like you have this obligation because you've, you've told other people. And now when you're faced with a situation where you have to make the decision you did, I mean, you had to make that decision. Um, you, you just, it, it just, it's an added level of pressure that is, that is unneeded, but uh, you, you did the right thing. Yeah, I appreciate it. And there was times where that definitely helped. Um, you know, I remind myself every day I was out there that I'm out here for me. Um, but I remember specifically one time, the worst section for me was the flattest one, the, the aqueduct. I absolutely hated it. We walked it at night and there's a huge group and it was like on the solar eclipse or whatever. So it was fun in that aspect. But walking on flat ground after climbing so much just killed my feet. And the next day we were in the wind farm and there's a wind advisory in the wind farm and it's almost 100 degrees. So I remember just finding this little sagebrush and I just curled up in a little ball under it, like just trying to take a break. The wind's blowing the I mean, you can't, you take two steps forward, you're taking one step back because of the wind. And I just remember thinking like, if there's a bus that would come pick me up right now, I would go home. And then, you know, you think about, no, you can't, you, you made this commitment, you told these people and they kept me going, but yeah, there's some interesting times. <laughs> yeah. Now a couple of questions on the hardware in your ankle. Was it, was it a steel plate on your fibula? Um, you know, I don't know the technical terms. It goes from like a middle or the lower middle of my shin almost all the way down to uh, 
my heel on the outside of my right foot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's probably your fibula. Your fibula is the small bone on the outside of your, your lower leg. Yeah. When I broke it, I actually broke, broke it on both sides and dislocated yeah. it. So I had a plate on one side pins in the other. And yeah, it was a whole, whole mess. You did a number on that. And, and are you at a point now where you can have that hardware removed? Um, yes. And I decided to put it off until after my, after I complete the PCT this year. You don't think you're going to run into the same issue? I've been rehabbing it since I've um, been back and seeing a specialist and, um, I haven't had issues with it since. Um, and there's, uh, my specialist has me going to a couple more appointments before I go to get some like, um, special treatments done to it that are supposed to help in the long run. Um, but also men, I think I, I think I stopped before I had to, you know, it's something I struggle with now. Um, I can deal with the pain. That's fine. I think I was, when I did the flip flop, I think I could have kept going, but I was mentally just not in it. And that's something that's weighed so heavy on me since I stopped. Um, so yeah, this next time I'm not stopping unless they're flying me off the mountain. So let's talk about that a little bit in terms of the mental versus the physical. I think when anybody hears that, Hey, someone's going to hike 2,600 miles. I mean, that is quite a physical challenge and, you know, good luck to you. I don't know if you have it in you to, to do that physical challenge. Uh, well, I, I asked the question, is it, is it the physical challenge? Is the physical just as big a challenge as the mental challenge of doing something like that? What, 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 what weighs heavier do you think in a, a feat like conquering the PCT? Is it, a, is it, is it, I know it's a combo, but does one outweigh the other? Um, you know, I think it depends on what your physical level is going into it. You know, if you're physically fit and you can do that kind of stuff, then the mental is going to be way harder. Um, if you're not physically ready, then the physical is going to wear you down early on. Um, and I saw that with quite a bit of people that, you know, 50, 60 miles in, they're like, you know, I, I wasn't ready for this. Um, for me, it was mental until my ankle started hurting. And then that, that added to the mental of it. Like, you know, you're in pain. What are you doing? Um, but the, you know, the mental, I call it the roller coaster because it's so low at sometimes, but then you're, you know, you climb San Jacinto, you climb Baden Powell, you climb these mountains and you're at the top and you're like, at the end of every day, I felt so accomplished and so proud of what I was doing. So it's just this roller coaster. You know, I tell my friends and family now when they ask about it, I loved every aspect of the PCT except for the walking. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Now you, you, have you gotten your, your permit for this year? Yep. Also, I wasn't eighth pick this time. I was a little later, but I got within a few days of what I wanted. So, okay. And what's your departure date? Um, it's March 26th. So, okay. um, I knew I wanted to do end of March again at the recent snow in California has me sweating a little bit, but, um, I'm taking a little different strategy this time and, uh, I think it'll work out. Fingers crossed. Okay. What is your different strategy? Um, last time I kind of had a little too much fun, I'll say. Um, spent a lot of zero days in the beginning, you know, um, and it was a great time. Um, but this time, and I also, I was only doing 10 or 15 miles a day for like the first, I don't know, three weeks, month. So, and I could have done more. I was just, you know, enjoying myself and having a great time. Um, this time I'm going to go out there with the more intention of, 
testing myself and seeing what I can really do physically. And then also, um, you know, not taking as many town days. Okay. I, I saw what like when you were talking with Balsack, I met her on the trip when right before she did her like 40, 50 mile night hike to Cajon Pass. I was, there's like this little bar restaurant I, after the hot springs. I can't remember where it was, but you know, I had my tent set up and I was inside having a beer and just ordered a pizza and she comes in and gets a soda and, you know, talks for like five minutes and I'm like, yeah, we're going to keep going after they had just done 20 miles. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, have fun. Uh, but yeah, it was good. Nice. Now Yeti, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out to, out to you. When you get to Acton, on your your hike, uh, send send me a message and let me take you out to this great Mexican restaurant in Agua Dulce. Love it, absolutely. And you know what? I think I know what it is. I had a mango margarita there; it was incredible. Is it in that like like L shape? They kind of let some people camp in the dumpster. Yes, or by the it. dumpsters. Yeah, yeah, loved it. It was a great place. I'll meet you there. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So you have the PCT. Once you conquer the PCT, any other? big trails out there that, uh, that appeal to you? Any, I, any, uh, inkling to do the AT or the CDT? Um, to be honest, no. <laughs> the AT, every, everyone I hear talk about the AT, they say this green tunnel, you're just up and down. And I'm like, that sounds miserable to me. Um, and you know, there's, I, they talk about the fun times too, but for me, I want to do more international. You know, I want to do the, uh, Inca Trail of Machu Picchu is just a short one. I want to do more traveling um, outside of the U.S. and more hiking in those kind of kinds of situations. Um, and you know, I think my girlfriend, I left for the PCT last year after we'd been dating six months. So now it's a year and six months, and I don't know how many years she's going to put up with me for leaving half the year. So, uh, but yeah, we'll keep having fun. We just got done traveling because that's my gift to her: is let me do this, and then I'll take you to Mexico when I get done. You know, so. <laughs> Nice. Um, Does she have any, yeah. any hiking bug in her? Uh, she told me like the second week we were dating to never ask her to go hiking with me. <laughs> yeah. She said, I'll stay at camp and read a book. Okay. Maybe, you know, if you want to do some international travel, maybe, maybe you could talk her into doing the Camino. I mean, cause that's, you know, you're not really carrying a bag or sleeping, sleeping equipment. You're, you're ending up at uh, hostels and pubs every day. So. Yep. I, 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 planted the bug about the Camino already. I don't know. She At first she told me absolutely not, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, Jared, you know where we are? Uh, pro tip. Oh, look at you. The pro tip <laughs> inside of the week. That's right. You're, you're like a, an expert here. Yes. It, it is that time of the episode where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? My pro tip is uh, don't stress the plan. Take your first step. I spent so much time and a lot of people do writing down, I'm going to do this miles this day and then I'll be here and then I'll do this and this. And by day two, I threw everything out the window and just said, I'm going to just do whatever I feel is right. And so my, my tip would be don't stress the plan. And then I, the cliche, you know, hike your own hike. Don't feel like you have to put in miles just because you want to meet somebody at this place or do this. I tried that a couple of times in those days that I was hiking you know, 25 miles to get to hiker town. I did not have fun those last 10 miles. I was pushing it, but I wanted to keep meeting my buddies, you know, which was a good time too. But a lot of the the reason I loved about hiking solo is just doing whatever I felt like doing at any moment. Yeah. There are some shorter hikes out there that are, you know, maybe 30, 40 miles 
um, that you can plan for. You can you can put together a pretty tight itinerary. But when you're talking about a 2,600 mile trail, the, everything goes out the window after the first the first couple of days. So you're you're not going to meet your your deadlines. You're going to have to be flexible. So that's an outstanding pro tip. Yeah, I spent hours on far out looking how far people things were and writing notes and all, up to 500 miles. I had everything planned <laughs> and then I never used it. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Yeti. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Jared, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Yeah. Um, my name, username is Jay crushes it. So J A Y crushes it and Instagram, TikTok are my big ones. And then on YouTube, I do my vlog for hiking. Okay. Now tell us a little bit about Jay crushes it because I asked you at the very beginning before we went on air, do you go by Jay or is it Jared? Cause you know, your, your Instagram is Jay crushes it. Yeah. this that's how this social media all started. I created a fake name just to track my weight loss for me personally, private Instagram account. And it was like that way until about a year ago. And I saw people posting from this app called TikTok. And I wanted to make a video on there, download it and put it on my private Instagram, just showing my progress, not knowing how it worked. And I'm like, I have zero followers. Nobody's going to see this. Post the video, download it. Two hours later, I picked up my phone and I had like half a million views on this video. Instantly panicked, hit delete. And then I was just like, wait a second, you know, I've been working with my therapist about being vulnerable and doing all this stuff. And so I just said, let's see what happens and ran with it. And yeah, but six months after that, I made my Instagram public and I had a few videos that just went mega viral. And I watched my Instagram go from 300 followers to 50,000 followers in like three hours. Holy smokes. That is impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. That's wild. Yeah. I was uh, going insane. I was terrified. But I decided to run with it, and now here we are. <laughs> hey, way to be vulnerable, Jared. Nice job. All Appreciate right. it. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're on TikTok, uh, Jared. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. All right, Jared, I'm also looking at you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of adventure media that's going to help our, our listeners stay connected to the trail. Call this our adventure media recommendation. You have any anything you want to recommend to people out there? I do. And this one's going to sound a little bro-y and a little off topic, I guess. But uh, mine would be uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, he's an ultra marathon guy. And it's the mental aspect of what he talks about in the book um, was tremendous for me. Just it's a lot about, you know, when you think you're done, you're not done yet, you know, kind of stuff like that. And whenever I was in a hard part of the trail, that Hauser Canyon, I put on a chapter called um, Taking Souls, where he just talks about, you know, passing people and like just certain aspects of getting over the mental toughness and making yourself mentally tough um, was a huge book for me. Taking Souls. Love it. Yep. <laughs> What have we not asked you? And before we wrap things up tonight, just one more segment called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What did, what did we miss tonight during the interview? Man, you know, I think we covered all of it, all of the fun stuff I wanted to talk about at least. Okay. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freakingmere studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Jared? Uh, yeah, I'm going to shout out my girlfriend for putting up with me and also supporting me on the trail and sending me my packages when I need them. So big shout out to her. 
All right. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you just had your hair and makeup done for your TV interview. The trail is the trail. Embrace the sock.